Indeed, what a, a blessing and what a prayer uh, for each one of us today. When I was growing up, uh, my family went through a camping phase. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't the uh, backpack and hiking kind, uh, but it wasn't also uh, the glamping kind as well. It was uh, more of one of those low-budget RV pop-up camper type kinds. Anybody have one of those growing up? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. Well, uh, our favorite campground, that, matter of fact, that's, a, uh, that's not it exactly, but it's it, it really close. Um, our favorite campground was one in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we always loved going because the best campsites were the ones that were uh, close to the pool or close to the mini golf and arcade. And we often camped with great families. We had a wonderful time. Um, and I'm really surprised, even to this day, that we got past the first experience. Uh, because our very first time going, it, uh, as soon as we got there, it started raining all day. And then it kept raining the second day, all day. And then the third day, all day. It got so bad. And I guess we weren't real skilled at picking out campsites because we happened to pick a low-lying campsite. And I remember really well my dad and some of the other guys out there just bailing water just to get it away from uh, the campers. I guess they figured the camper wouldn't convert to a boat uh, or an ark uh, if we needed it. Well, throughout this ordeal, I remember like it was yesterday, and I was probably eight or nine, and I remember, like it was yesterday, that my mom kept saying over and over, when it rains, it pours. And she just kept saying it, when it rains, it pours, when it rains, it pours. Although uh, my mom passed a few years ago, I could just imagine her saying that very same phrase uh, during 2020, a pandemic that took the lives of over 600,000 people in this country alone closed businesses and shut down our way of life was really bad. That was the rain. But layer on top of that, in our country, just incredible racial tensions, a, a very uh, contentious political season, and then uh, after the election, all the, the turmoil that happened, and a very challenging winter uh, with COVID. And I could just hear her almost saying, when it rains, it pours when we had our courtyard conversations in which we gathered in small groups over May and June, many of you shared with me that, that 2020 was emotionally, spiritually, and physically exhausting. It seemed to, to pour all year. Well, today, uh, we continue our series called Echoes from Exodus, and we're taking a look at how God redeemed and liberated the people of Israel how he redeemed them from oppression and slavery by the Egyptians. And in this grand story, we hear echoes. We hear echoes of God's redemptive work. We hear echoes of the way that God works throughout Scripture. And in these redemptive ways, they were ultimately and completely and perfectly and wonderfully fulfilled in Jesus. And just as the events of Exodus shaped the identity and the story of the Israelites, the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus shapes the story and the identity of the Christian. That's our big thesis statement for all summer, and that's one we'll just share over and over and over again. Well, the text from Exodus takes us to Exodus chapter 5, and what we see is, we see is that the situation for the Israelites is actually going from bad to worse. Now, instead of reading the entire chapter, let me just summarize the story for us and then read just a few verses. I encourage you to read the whole chapter uh, later today. 
Uh, last week, as Pastor Brian led us, we learned that God called and equipped Moses to go and confront Pharaoh and demand that he let the Israelites go. That he demand that, that he let the Israelites go from their brutal captivity. And God gave credibility to Moses by performing miraculous and wonderful signs. Things like turning his staff into a snake and the like. So now Moses is ready to go and to throw down to Pharaoh. I mean, he's ready. He's ready to go and to confront the very king of Egypt. And he goes and he says to him, my God told me to tell you to let my people go so that they can come and worship me in the wilderness. Well, I don't know if you've read much through history at different kingdoms and kings and everything like that, but kings are not usually real pleasant when people try to tell them what to do. Much less say, hey, I need you to let your free labor go. People in power always go to great lengths to preserve their wealth and their privilege and their power. It was here in Exodus, and we see it running amok through the corridors of history. The king is so put off by this that he orders the, that conditions become even worse for the Israelites. He tells them that he's not going to give them any straw with which they can make their bricks, that they have to find their own, but the daily quota for the bricks they need to make, their daily quota will stay the same. I mean, this guy's a real piece of work. So obviously they could not keep up with Pharaoh's quota, and Pharaoh's men beat the overseers of the Israelites. And then the overseers took their case to Pharaoh. He didn't budge. Let's pick up the text in verse, chapter 5, verse 17. Pharaoh said, lazy, that's what you are. Lazy. That is why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. You will not be given any straw, yet you must produce your full quota of bricks. The Israelite overseers realized they were in trouble when they were told you are not to reduce the number of bricks required for you each day. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Moses returned to the Lord and said, why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people and you have not rescued your people at all. So you see here how chapter 5 ends. Pharaoh refuses to give up. He makes things that were bad. He takes them even to a worse place, from raining to pouring. And then the people of Israel turn on Moses and Aaron. And then Moses says to the Lord, why have you done this, God? Why have you let things go from bad to worse? Or, when it rains, it pours. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Now, I am so tempted to turn the page. I am so tempted to lean into chapter 6. Because in chapter 6, we start to learn that God is reassuring Moses that he is going to deal with Pharaoh. But I'm not going to do that quite yet today. We need to feel how chapter 5 ends. 
It ends with Moses being incredibly raw and incredibly human before God. The plight of the people has gone from bad to worse, and he is questioning God. Have you ever been there? Have, have your situation gone from bad to worse? And have you ever said, God, what is going on here? What are you doing? He is saying to God, you sent me there. And because you sent me there, things have gone from bad to worse. Dare we say he's blaming God. That is so human. It is so honest. When life keeps sliding downhill, it's natural to question and wonder why. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you're looking heavenward and saying to God, why in the world is it going from bad to worse? Why is it raining and raining and pouring and pouring? Where is the rescue, God? Where's the ark? If we want to go back to our children's sermon. Where is it, God? What I find interesting to me is it seems at least to me that perseverance is in short supply when we consider some of the most famous characters in the pages of Scripture. If you think about that. Right out of the gate, Adam and Eve just couldn't persevere in the face of the tempter, could they? Abraham and Sarah just couldn't hold on to the promise of God for a child in their old age, and instead they had Ishmael through Sarah's maidservant. Elijah the prophet fell in a deep time of despair. Samson just could not resist the Philistine Delilah. The disciples struggled to hang on as Jesus was being arrested. Sure, there are some examples of perseverance, Joseph and Daniel and John the Baptist. But we see that there's a human struggle to hang on and to hang in there when life goes from bad to worse. You know, I've said this before and I'll say it again. One of the features of the Bible one of the features of the holy book of the Christian faith is that we do not, and the writers of the Bible did not, sanitize our saints. We see them in all their faults, in all their humanity, in all of their weaknesses. And most importantly, God sees it. But I'm here with good news today. There is a turning point in history. There is a turning point in even in the, right there in the pages of Scripture. You can almost see the page turning. There's a turning point when we see the followers of Jesus start to have this ability, this incredible ability to persevere and to endure when things get really challenging. And that is on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was given. And the Holy Spirit of God was promised to live inside of the followers of Jesus. And one of the most powerful gifts of the Holy Spirit is the gift of faith. And it's the, it's the strength of God's Spirit to hang on and to endure and to persevere when life goes bad to worse. It's amazing. Read the Bible from the table of contents to the maps and you'll see, oh my goodness, something happened there. And then all of a sudden, all these disciples who, who just scattered when Jesus was arrested are going and they're taking the gospel of Jesus in hardship and in harm's way. They're being persecuted for their faith. We see Stephen being stoned. We see over and over, they refuse to recant. They refuse to give up. They persevere and they endure. Something happened and it was the gift of the Holy Spirit living inside of them, giving them the strength, not their strength, God's strength. 
It's incredible. The New Testament passage that Pastor Brian read earlier is just a summary of this promise. Paul writes to those who trust in Christ, those who have been reconciled to God in faith because of the incredible grace of God, that now as children of God, we have this powerful hope. And ultimately, that is the key word here, ultimately, 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 an ark is built. Ultimately, help comes. Ultimately, redemption is nigh. God's will, God's way, God's splendor, and God's glory will reign fully and completely, ultimately, even when it is pouring. And then Paul gives this promise. He says, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces, suffering makes something. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance makes something. It makes character, and in character, hope. So what I want us to do for the rest of our time is explore this promise just a little bit more, a little bit deeper. And let me just tell you right up front, this is not a how-to message. This is a hang-on message, okay? It's not a how-to. This is a hang-on. This is a promise that you can hang on to when it just continues to pour. I want to look at five key words briefly in this promise. The first one is glory. Paul says we glory in our sufferings. What do you mean we glory in our sufferings? Some translations may say we rejoice in our sufferings. What Paul means here is a sense of joyful, triumphant confidence. As Christians, we are given the ability to face and endure times of suffering with an inner strength and an inner confidence that God is going to hold us through them. That eventually God is going to make His face shine upon us as we shared together earlier, that God is not going to crush us in the suffering. Paul captures this beautifully in his letter to the Corinthians when he says, we are hard-pressed on every side, we're, but not we're crushed. We're not crushed. We're, not, we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we are not abandoned. Struck down, but doggone it, that's my paraphrase, we're not destroyed. The glory here is to have a triumphant, confidence in God and God's work, not in ourselves, but in God. Sufferings. Sometimes this is dramatic as in suffering through the grief of losing a loved one, a failed relationship, or facing our own death. Yet the word here literally means a pressing or uh, pressing together, a pressing together. It can mean the dramatic moments in life, yet it can also mean that part of life that just presses you in, the day-to-day struggle, the day-to-day anxiety, the day-to-day pressures and stress. In the pressure cooker of life, it is easy to sometimes wonder what good can be happening. Anybody ever been there? But God's people, when we're suffering and when we're squeezed, we need to know that God's divine work is going on. God will not allow us to experience anything, anything without using it for His glory. And we can know and we can have confidence that we are in His hands even when we suffer. And that the Holy Spirit will use these hard times to shape us and to refine us to all that God wants us to be. The Olympics are coming up. How many people plan to watch? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And you know the games are supposed to be held in, in 2020, right? And, and ask any Olympic athlete, they train, and they train hard, and they endure 
training, and they suffer through their training. But almost any Olympic athlete will tell you it was worth it. It was all worth it to be able to compete in the Olympic Games. And those who win, they, they tell wow, it's really worth it. Now imagine those Olympic athletes who were not able to go from 2020 to 2021. There, there are stories on a few of them that all of a sudden maybe an injury came up after they were postponed and all that training, all that suffering, all that time put in, and they were never able to put their training on to the stage that they wanted to train for. They never had a chance for that training and suffering to be redeemed, if you will. As God's people, when you suffer as a child of God, you need to know that there is something deeper, more sustainable happening within us. And there is a sense of redemption. God will not waste your suffering. Redemption is happening. You will grow stronger. You will be able to live out that strength from day to day. The word perseverance, the word means steadfastness, not giving up, remaining in the heat and patiently enduring. When God is allowed to work in the life of the Christian fully and completely, she will endure and remain true and faithful. Think about it. There's no endurance without suffering. For without suffering, there's nothing to endure, right? God will sustain you through the pressures and the storms. Character. I love this word in this text. This is more accurately translated proven character. It means character that has been shaped by the fires and pressures of life. You squeeze an orange and you get... You squeeze a lemon... What happens when you squeeze a Christian? You get proven, tested character. Paul gives us a wonderful list. Pastor Brian read it last week from the book of Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. When you squeeze a Christian, you get proven, tested character. The word character comes from the world of precious metals. When a silversmith in the ancient days would refine a piece of silver, he would hold it in the fire for a really long time, turning it this way and, and turning it that way. And when this metal was in the fire, the impurities would be burned away. And, and the silversmith would do it over and over and over until the piece of metal was completely pure. How did the silversmith know when the metal was ready back then? He would take the piece of metal, he would hold it up to his face, and he would be able to see his reflection. That's when he knew the metal was ready. He could see his reflection. And that's when God knows when ready. Is when God can see our character, or excuse me, his character in us. God will allow you to suffer. God will not shield you from suffering, but will also be refining you into His image as you trust Him. Have you ever wondered, where is the silversmith in this process? Right there. Right there. Near the fire, holding the precious metal. Right there. I don't know what some of you may be going through, 
or what some of you may go through in the days ahead. And you know what? Most of you don't either. Right? But you can trust that God is right there holding you. Lean in and lean on your faith. God will work in these times. And then there's the word hope. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character, hope. Hope. It's not wishful thinking. It's joyful confidence. We will not be ashamed of putting our hope in the promises of God. He will bring all of our hopes to fruition. We will not be disappointed. Have you ever watched a, a movie that, and for the, almost the entire movie, the bad guys are winning? And evil is just ruling. You're tense and you're anxious as you watch. You don't know the outcome. Anxious till the very end. And all of a sudden, the good guys win at the last minute. That makes a, always, that's just a good formula for a movie. Watch the movie a second time. You know how it turns out. You have confidence in the final outcome. You're not as anxious. You're not as tense. Because you know the ending. Folks, to put your confidence in God through Christ is to have peace through the pressures of life. Why? Because you know the ending. You know. You know that God is going to rescue. The page is going to be turned and chapter 6 is going to start. You know triumph, joy, character, the presence of God, and peace awaits. Yes, when it rains. Sometimes it pours. Sometimes things seem to go from bad to worse. When that happens in your life, hang on. Hang on to this incredible promise of God. He is working in you. He will be strong for you. He will uphold you no matter what comes your way. You will be redeemed and you will be rescued. The ark will be on its way. You know, it's hard to think about this idea of perseverance without thinking about the cross of Jesus. Jesus endured and Jesus persevered. He was strong so that when we are weak, we can be strong. Why? Because of all things, the cross reminds us of the depth of his love for us. Because of his love, he endured suffering, even suffering on the cross. And it's his love that gives us our hope. I've asked Amy to come. And for our, our closing time of, of prayer this morning, uh, I'd just like us to reflect for a moment on uh, the cross of our Lord Jesus. And she's going to play the, the first verse of the hymn, uh, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Uh, and then after she finishes playing the first verse, I'm going to invite us to stand. And let's let that closing hymn be our prayer as we think about what it means to trust in the Lord, to trust in His work, even when we can't see it, even maybe when we don't feel it, to know that this work that Jesus provided for us on the cross is our hope. It is our strength to persevere when it seems to be pouring. Amy, I invite you to reflect in prayer.
sing it together. When I survey the God, we thank you so much for the cross of Jesus. Love so great, it demands our all. This means our faithfulness, our patience, our perseverance, and our endurance. Even when things go from bad to worse. Why, oh God? Because we know you love us. We know you're with us. We know you will be strong for us. And it is in this, in the cross of Jesus, we place our hope. In his name we pray. Amen. Let me invite you to be seated.